Metuchen School District is proud to present Coffee Talk, a conversation on social emotional learning at home. Fill up your favorite mug and grab a chair. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Coffee Talk. I'm your host, Scott Delaney, third grade teacher at Campbell. Joining me today, as several times before, my good friend Erica Shu, counselor here at Campbell School. And joining us for the first time today is Lauren Thompson, a special ed teacher from Edgar. Thank you for joining me both today. Thank you. It's good to be back. I know it's Thank been a long time. <laughs> Lauren, it's your first time. Erica, it's been it's been a little while since I think we've had you on here. It has been. Well, we're going to be talking Glad about we come back. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. No, last after last time, absolutely not, not allowed. Uh, so, what we're going to be talking about today is. First off, I can't believe how fast this year went by. I feel like every end of the Agreed. school year, we kind of just sit there. I'm like, wow, that was, it's already at this point, June. I can't believe how fast it ends up actually going by. So with that, what I think is a really good topic to talk about is I think just reflecting in general, especially on a year like this. This is very far from a normal school year. Lots of different changes, things like even just adjusting and adapting throughout the year. Uh, we've talked a little bit about it before, but just the idea of reflecting on things is really important to take the next step forward. And with the end of the school year coming up, I think focusing on how can I take that next step forward is going to be really important. So let's talk a little bit today about some ways that we can at least start or go through that reflecting process as this year draws to a close. Okay. Yeah, I want to just add to what you said, Scott, that this year has been one of the fastest years of my um professional experience and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that there's been so many changes um, throughout the school year so there was that just definitely added to why it felt so fast Um, but I totally agree with you a year like this it is so important to reflect and to think about what went right what went wrong what can I do next year knowing that next year possibly might be a different year too So what can I do next year just to grow as a student or grow as an individual, a parent, a friend, whatever. Um, So, yeah, there's a lot of different ways that we can reflect, a lot of different ways that we could, you know, reflect on how we can grow. What do you what do you think some of the benefits of reflecting are? Like, I mean, we've talked a little bit about it. We've mentioned it a couple of times now, but we I think some people just kind of ingrained normally, like, yeah, reflecting is important. But I feel like very few times do we actually sit here and say, like, this is why reflecting is an important thing to do. I think as an adult, we kind of just know it is. But talking to your kids about that, you really want to give some concretes. Like, here's why reflecting is an important thing to do going forward. Mm-hmm. I personally think reflecting is important going forward because you could talk about how we can grow. And that means like how we could grow as individuals, but what we could look back on that worked for us and what we could look back on what didn't work for us, you know, it's all about growth. And like we were saying before, like the change, um, like even though this year was very different, there are a lot of good things that did come out of it. Good changes, bad changes, but you can take some of those with you into the next school year. Yeah, I think it's easy to sometimes, especially you like this, it's easy to grab onto what went wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, I think there are a lot of people that are like, I don't like different. I feel like that's something that I've heard a lot this year is things feel different to me. And that doesn't always have that positive context to it. But taking the time to reflect on it, as you both kind of said now, is that you can 
grab onto that positive, almost shift your mindset into more of a positive mindset by looking at some of the positives that happened throughout the year to kind of shrug off some of that negativity, to necessarily not carry that with you into the next year as much by trying to find a couple of those positives, some of those good changes that happened throughout the school year. Mm-hmm. And celebrating them. Mm-hmm. Not to be the Debbie Downer right now, but it's also <laughs> okay to reflect on the negatives. Yes. It is okay because that is part of our growth as well. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to look back and think about like what did not work for me? What's something that I went through that was really hard, but like how did I overcome it? And when we do think about our negatives, it's also important to highlight, like, look where I am right now, you know, and what can I do next time? Kind of like brainstorm or like problem solve. What can I do next time? So if I ever, if I'm in this situation again. Yeah. Finding a balance. Mm -hmm. Being able to say, here are the things that, as you said, weren't great this year that I can learn from. Here are some good things that did happen this year. Mm -hmm. You don't want to necessarily throw either to the side. No, you don't want to just pretend that the that things that didn't go right didn't happen. Right. <laughs> Can't ignore them. They happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's easy, but not, not going to be helpful for you in the long run. Because as Erica said, if it comes up again, if you just kind of threw it off last time, you're probably going to go through the same exact process that you did when the things went wrong the first time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So how it's are okay some... to give... Oh, yeah. sorry, you go. No, that's it's, all right. It's okay to give the time to like process it, but you still should reflect on it I guess when you're ready right yeah I think that's a good way to put it just when you I feel like sometimes you want to make sure that you don't just reflect right away like this just happened I need to reflect right now if you don't feel ready to actually have a good reflection on it like if the emotion's sitting with you too strongly you don't want to just be like okay I'm really upset right now my reflection is I'm really angry <laughs> that's, that's not gonna be a reflection that's gonna help you like yes that's that's more of like an observing of feeling so giving yourself that time to then go back to it and say oh I can reflect on this now that I'm kind of a little bit away from it to learn what I can do better next time. When you're kind of like that, you almost become somebody who's observing it as instead of somebody who is living through it in that moment. Right. So with that in mind, how can we begin that process? What are some steps or some things that we can do at home as adults or even talking to our children about initiating that reflection? Well, I think you kind of said it before, Scott, you or Lauren, you have to be ready to reflect. So as a parent, when you're working, when you're talking to your children about the school year, make sure that the child, your child is ready to talk about and reflect on the school year. You might be ready, but your child may not be ready. So I think having that conversation with them is really important first and asking them, you know, do you want to reflect on the school year with me, have a conversation about what went wrong and what didn't go wrong. Um, And one way an activity you could do with with your child is talk about the thorns and roses of the school year. So talk about what went right and what went wrong. And that's something that you guys could do as a family, Um, you know, even like around the dinner table. And it doesn't have to be like a super long conversation. But having that type of conversation, I think, is really important. Yeah, I love the imagery of that. Just like the idea of the thorns and roses together. I think that like as a kid, you can imagine that pretty easily that a rose is still a beautiful thing in the end of it. There are a couple thorns on it. And there are things that one, you have to be careful of. And two, things that might not have been perfect, but it's still something that all together is a beautiful thing. Maybe even breaking it up, like um, 
maybe if a student is not ready to reflect on the whole school year, maybe just doing, hey, what about the beginning of the school year? Let's just focus on that. And then maybe another conversation weeks, months later, hey, what about the middle of the school year? Remember we talked about the beginning of the school year, like break it up like that might help them process and reflect on it a little bit more in depth or stronger. Yeah, and I really like that, Lauren, because we've had so many different transitions this year. Mm-hmm. Everything was constantly changing, and you know we were virtual before the holidays, so students might feel differently then than they did towards the end of the school year when people were allowed back into school more. I'm going to kind of give us a little bit of a sneak peek into one of our episodes coming up later on, but what do you think about establishing like a time in the year to at least initiate the conversation of reflection? Like as a family, we try at the end of the month to try and at least start a conversation. And maybe that's not reflecting entirely, but just asking like, hey, look, do you want to reflect on the and like how this month went with me? Do you think that's something that could be beneficial to some families at home? Just spending that time to say like, okay, let's build it in so I can kind of be more mentally at the end of the month to say I am ready to reflect because I I was thinking all month that this time could come. Mm -hmm. I absolutely think having that conversation is really important. And make it making a part of your monthly routine or weekly routine is also really important. There's there are only benefits to reflecting and to thinking about again what went right and what went wrong and what we, can we do to grow as individuals and also as a unit, a family unit. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think as a parent too, what you want to do is you want to kind of model out a little bit as well. I feel like it's kind of, it's just become a reoccurring theme every episode is the importance of just modeling it. But I can't lie. I'm not going to pretend that modeling isn't an important thing to do at home. I mean, even in the school building, a lot of times, how many times have the three of us, even with the kids, sat there and kind of said, like, you know what? I'm looking back on today, and today was a little bit of a rough day. Mm-hmm. Like, I've said things like that a lot to my students, and I've meant that genuinely because I want them to see what my actual process of reflecting on something is. And I might mention, like, you know what? Recess was tough today. But I loved how this afternoon went. Mm -hmm. I think it's, you know, it's also important to talk about, you know, recess was was rough. But, like, what, what worked? How do I know that it worked? And what can I learn from this type of experience? So asking those type of questions is important to that whole, to the reflection process. Also, how can we use that to set goals or how can we use that to change the outcome or make it even better for the next time? Mm -hmm. Making sure not to leave it open. Put kind of a a final knot over some of your reflections sometimes. Don't just leave it at, here's half my idea. I don't know what I'm going to do next time. Kind of initiate that closure Mm -hmm. of, yeah, it was tough today, but here's what I'm going to make sure to do next time to make sure that it could be better. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of times when you talk to kids, a lot of it is, I feel like especially at this age, I mean, I teach third grade, so you're talking to eight and nine-year-olds. It's that age where you, you see a lot of different maturity levels. Like, I feel like by middle of third grade, sometimes I feel like there's still some people that are acting a little bit more younger and still trying to learn that social process, learning a little bit of these reflections on their own. But towards the end of third grade, sometimes you have those kids that go through all these things without you even mentioning it. Without, like, you're thinking about it and they're already doing it a little bit because they're kind of ingraining a lot of these skills on their own. So I feel like what you want to try and do is really help them continue through that process. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I want to try and find a good balance of modeling it out for them, but also allowing them to get through it on their own. And sometimes when you have the kids that are a little bit less mature in some situations, the kids that are not as familiar, I guess, with some of these process, what you end up having is you have some of these kids that are just like, I was just really upset at recess today. And that's the end of their reflection. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of our job as teachers, counselors, administrators, parents to help them get through that next step. Mm-hmm. So by the time they get to Lauren, they can kind of get to those next couple steps <laughs> on their own. Or by the time they see Mrs. Shu the next time, they say, oh, yeah, I was upset at recess. Maybe take a second or two. But as soon as you kind of hear that butt thrown in there, that's a huge sign for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I really love hearing that because it kind of shows me that they're working a little bit through that process. And I mean, even the other day, I had a kid start to mention that of just like, Mr. Laney, it was so hot outside and I was just getting really frustrated at lunch and recess and this was bothering me. And it was a second. I saw them take a deep breath and then they started. They're like, but I know what I can do for next time. And that honestly meant the world. And that that whole like problem solving process is really what we want our students to do. We want them to be able to problem solve on their own. We are there to assist them the best that we can. Um, and then the whole goal really is that they're doing it independently. So that's really great that your student was able to do that, Mr. Delaney. Yeah, I was really glad to see it. I, I genuinely think that there's not too young of an age to start with this either. No. I mean, obviously different not. levels, but I think it's beneficial to at least try when they're younger even if you just mentioned i think even with younger kids sometimes not necessarily maybe having them talk it out but drawing it out is always something i think could be a wonderful thing to try that's definitely a, a tool that i use when students have dif- have a difficult time expressing how they're feeling i ask them if they'd rather draw it out because sometimes drawing out our emotions or drawing out our feelings goes a long way for the little ones you know, but sometimes even, you know, Lauren, I'm sure with students in middle school as well. Absolutely. It's yeah, it's hard to express ourselves. Mm-hmm. Either through writing or through, um, like I have one student right now who just has been like on like a short story kind of kick. And I feel like I can see some of like their emotions even through those. Yeah. And she's a very talented writer. So it's awesome. She's an artist too. So it goes hand in hand. Awesome. <laughs> I love the outlet. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not going to reflect maybe in myself, but maybe this character went through what I went through, and here's how I'd write the ending. That's mm-hmm. a very yep. fun way to do it. Yep. Or like using those same characters. She 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 showed me one story, and I was like, "Well, can you use those same characters and do kind of like a plot twist, like kind of go in a, a different angle?" So that could also go along with it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Erica, you probably use you also use you you were mentioning this the other day. You use a lot of scenarios too sometimes. Right, I do. So something actually, you know, Mr. Delaney gave me a fantastic idea today, we were talking <laughs> <laughs> which I really appreciate. Um, we were talking about, you know, reading a story to students and then having them provide the ending to to the story or have them problem solve, you know, how this ending could end, really. And go through the problem solving process and self questioning themselves, and then at the end, reading to them. Okay, well, this is how the author chose to end, to end the story. Yeah, yeah, my students do a similar thing with Jack and the Beanstalk, you know, because the problem was Jack and the Beanstalk were against each mm-hmm. other, 
and how did they overcome those problems in the end? And some of them got very creative with it. <laughs> That's great. I'm really excited to do that with the students. And it's funny because you almost think that, how is this going to help them reflect? Yeah, okay, they wrote a new ending to Jack and the Beanstalk. And sometimes you might have some very silly endings, like there's a UFO that came by. Oh, yeah. <laughs> beanstalk. But what you end up seeing sometimes is you'll you'll hear them mention what happened to me today reminded me of what happened in Jack and the Beanstalk. Mm-hmm. Children, like especially as you were both saying, kids that might not necessarily want to verbalize things will bond a lot with stories or characters right. or other writings, even poetry sometimes, that helping them learn how characters, authors, and even poets solve their problems and kind of reflect on certain things or what deeper meaning of stuff are, you'll see that they'll pull out those same skills and develop connections of what they should be doing next. Right. Goes back to the modeling. It's right there in the text. <laughs> it is. And it, it, they can you know, see it through their favorite characters. <laughs> and I don't think you, I feel like that even for me sometimes as a teacher, you don't always think of that as modeling, but it is. Like there's a character in the story, like uh, Harry Potter is always a great example. I mean, yep. if you want to talk about somebody that goes through a whole lot of trouble, there's yeah. somebody that goes through a whole lot of things. And obviously we're not experiencing anything like that on any level around here. Not often do I have trouble making my wand work or just kind of casting spells or writing rooms, but... You mean we're not magicians? Uh, or wizards? I'm sorry. <laughs> wizards. Wizards. <laughs> on the whole line is you're a wizard, Harry. Eric. <laughs> but like, he, he faces problems with his friends. He has relationship issues. Mm-hmm. He has bad school years and he has good school years. Right. And that is a form of modeling of reflection. At the actually, in the I think at the end of the books, he often talks about and puts a little summary of how the year went. I think you're right. That's kind of weird thought here, but when you kind of get to that in itself, is modeling reflection to children. And how many parents? I I can guarantee you, I definitely didn't think of this, but when it comes to thinking of just reflection as reading the Harry Potter books to teach my child how to reflect. It, it's kind of hidden in more things than you think. Mm-hmm. And that's the fun part about it, is that you never know when you're going to learn these skills. That's true. Whether you're going out or your... all the connections that you can make between them. Like you said, something you wouldn't have thought of with Harry Potter, but there it is. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you two think are some other ways that you can initiate some of that reflection? Like any things that you do, either when Erica, when you pull a student or... Lauren, anything that you do at the school that you really recommend is something that you do often as a reflection skill or reflection practice? Something I do, and I've done this across multiple different grade levels, um, is a I do a Friday 54321. So that's more of a smaller reflection, like of their week, where they put five words that made them or five um, things that made them happy that week. And I tell them it can be school related, it can be at home related. You know, you had your favorite meal for dinner one day, you got ice cream or um, you played a board game with your family, anything along those lines, they did well on a test. Um, so it's five things that made them smile, four words to describe their week, um, three things they plan to do this weekend, two things they learned this week, and one um, goal for next week. So mm-hmm. you could even take that and kind of adjust it to the school year, or like I said before, like breaking it down by the different parts of the school year. Um, what are five things that, that made you happy this school year? What were five of those good things? 
four words, good or bad, that could describe your your school year. Um, what I like about that, Lauren, is that you're focusing on the future too. Like, mm-hmm. what is the goal for next year? But yep. even when you said, like, what am I going to be doing this weekend? Yep. I was going to ask that. What do you think about the importance of looking forward while looking back? Well, you can, I mean, you have to look back to look forward. Because again, you learn, we're growing, right? Mm-hmm. Reflection is all about growth. So you have to look at, you know, your mistakes and your accomplishments in order to look forward. They kind of go hand in hand together. They do go hand in hand. Yeah, I really like that. Not not to derail my own question, but <laughs> Erica, so what was what was something that you like to do with the kids when you pull them to just to even initiate that? Do you often like let them try and journal, kind of like what Lauren was saying, or do you? What do you usually prefer to try and do? So usually it's it's a the form is through conversation, having a reflection with them, uh, and again like asking those questions like what worked for you, what didn't work for you. And, you know, what can we do moving forward? And what does this mean? What does this mean for you? Like, those are really the questions that I have for students through conversations. Even though I, you know, I recommended the thorns and roses. This is something that I do in my small groups as well. And I know that students really do enjoy that. And you're right, Scott, it is a visual for students. So it's something, a very easy exercise that I do recommend for families. Here's a tough question, though. If your kid's not ready to reflect, mm-hmm. like Erica, you probably experience this a lot. Yeah. Because when students are meeting with you, it's short periods of time, usually directly after the moment, or if they need mm-hmm. to talk to somebody, kids aren't always ready. They're not. They're What's not. You, you, when you, they're need not. Kids, you need to give kids space. Mm-hmm. If they're not ready to talk about something, then you have to respect that. You know, acknowledge it and respect it, um, which is usually why follow-ups are so important. Yeah, and the when, reassurance piece. Mm-hmm, when meeting with students, you know, as a school counselor, there might be something that's really hard for students, something emotional or social um, that a student is going through. But that's why the follow-up afterwards, whether it's a week or two weeks afterwards, is so important, you know, but if a student's not ready to, or a child is not ready to talk, they're not going to really get the full, you know, they're not going to be able to reflect as well as they would have if they were ready to talk. And everybody's different, right? And we all need to respect that. I guess you also don't want to add a negative association with reflecting. Because mm-hmm. if you, I've, I mean, we've talked about this a couple of times before, that when you feel forced to do something, you're not really going to want to do it on your own. Mm-hmm. Like how many times as an adult do you remember doing something as a kid and you're like, oh, I really don't want to do this. Even in something as simple as like, I don't want to do my laundry. I right. was always forced as a kid to do my laundry and I just really don't want to do it right now. I'll do it, but I just don't want to. Mm-hmm. And you don't really want those feelings associated with reflecting or being yeah. mindful or having conversations. Right. I've had many kids who have said to me, like, I just don't want to talk about this right now. I don't want to think about that. Um, and that's perfectly fine, you know. Um, I I think that's perfectly fine. Obviously, depending on it, this depends on the situation and you know who the child is. There are times where you may have to reflect whether you want to or not, right? At least um, a little bit, yeah. A little bit, but from you know a therapeutic standpoint, I never force children to 
to do. I never force children to talk. I never force them to reflect if they're not ready. Because it just defeats the purpose of counseling. Do you give the caveat of, like, I would like you to, maybe not now, but maybe later I want to help you express this in some way. Maybe it, maybe it is giving them, like, hey, you know what, next week, Mm -hmm. like, the weekend, come back Monday, I'll let you journal. If you want to talk, you want to talk. If you want to draw, you want to draw. And you don't have to show me it if you don't want. Absolutely. Absolutely. At least some way to, to get those feelings out. Yeah, just because a child is reflecting doesn't mean that it, you know, has to be shared with um, an adult. Mm-hmm. I think that's hard, though. Not in a bad, like, not in a bad way, but hard is in, like, Lauren, you could definitely speak this as well, being a classroom teacher, that when you see somebody's upset or having a hard time, you want to help. Yes. And sometimes the best way to help is to know what's going on, but sometimes forcing the fact that you need to know what's going on is sometimes the worst thing that you can do for the child themselves. And I feel like Erica just said, you really want to give them the opportunity to reflect while not making them show you. Mm-hmm. I feel like I always give them. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I always give them the option like, well, I'm here. Like, you know, you can obviously clearly tell if a student is totally not themselves, very off, very closed off. And, um, what I'll usually do is just go talk to them like privately for a quick minute. Like, is anything bothering you? Like, do you need to talk about it? And if they say no, no, then I just reassure them I'm here if you need me. Um, this school year and when we went virtual last school year, I started doing a daily check-in where the students, they click an emoji for how they feel. And mm-hmm. I always leave a space if there's anything you want to share with me. So it's a private space if they want to share anything that's happened. And I have had students share some personal things on there, you know, and I'll touch base with them privately if need be. Um, and sometimes still, even then they don't want to talk about it, which is totally okay. Right. I love that idea of you can share with me what you would like. Mm-hmm. Anything. It can be, I had soup for lunch. Like, I don't yeah. care. Just share anything with me. I would love to know about it. <laughs> I think at home, even saying that like, Hey, write as much as you want. If say the yep. child wants a journal, they don't want to share it all with you, but you can say, you can share with me whatever you would like. You don't have to share the whole thing. You can share a single part if you want, and you don't have to share anything. Kind of put it on their terms. Right, because yeah. you want to respect your respect everybody's privacy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's important to learn, too, when you're younger. That's a huge social skill. Mm-hmm. Learning that you don't have to know everything. That I'm sure I know that's really hard. It is. <laughs> I can only imagine how hard that is as a parent. Like when Sadie gets older, I'm going to want to know everything going on in her. Um, I feel like it's the movies when they're like, oh, give me your cell phone. And like they have the parents like looking through every single message on the cell phone. And yeah, like, like, I'm going to be very tempted to do that as a parent. But I also realize like how, how negative that is um, to know, you know, as long as your child's you know, safe. There's obviously different circumstances to every single situation. Um, but respecting somebody else's privacy is very important as long as there's, you know, safety around that. Yeah, I, I think we covered some really good stuff today. I think kind of having that balance of reflect as you feel comfortable, be okay with the negative, kind of going through some different things you could try at home, journaling, drawing, Trying out those thorns and roses, the five, four, three, two, one. I love. Uh, I think, but also 
building that trust and understanding of when you're ready to reflect, you're ready to reflect. But you don't have to with me if you're not ready or you don't want to. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping we've covered a lot of good stuff today. I'm hoping at least one or two of these things will be something you can bring into your own homes and try out. Uh, thank you both for joining me today. And I look forward to talking again soon. Thank, thank you. you. Our business spotlight of the month will be Frappe Joe. I was very lucky and had the opportunity to talk to the owner, Chital. When we were discussing about Frappe Joe, he explained to me that previously he used to own several Dunkin' Donuts chains, but when the opportunity presented itself, he was excited to step out on his own and create a business focused on fresh, high-quality ingredients, but at a fair price. He explained that Frappe Joe's is kind of like a mix between a Dunkin' Donuts and a Starbucks. You can still get a lot of the fun coffees that you really enjoy, like the lattes, the frappes, but at a much better cost than, say, a Starbucks. He's very excited to kind of work a little bit more with different flavors and different coffees over the summer. He's really focused in on different flavored cold brews. And as someone like myself who absolutely loves iced coffee in the summer, I'm really excited to see some of the things that he's going to be coming out with. And he even mentioned one of the things that he just released that really caught my eye right away. He said that their newest cold brew flavor is a blueberry cinnamon crumble cold brew. That sounds amazing. Who could pass that up in the summer? He even mentioned some of the exciting food products that they have coming out. He said that they're going to be working a little bit on a falafel recipe that will be coming out probably in August or so. So look forward to keeping your eyes out for those. And he even mentioned that they're even going to come out with a pan for dew as well. So it sounds like our friends at Frappe Joe have a lot of wonderful stuff going on and some great menu items coming out. If you haven't had a chance to stop by and see them, I definitely recommend giving a chance to try out some of their coffees and even look forward to some of these new menu items that will be coming out very soon. I can't recommend a place more, and I highly recommend getting a chance to, even if you get in there, asking to talk to Chatel for a little bit. And as always, if you haven't had a chance yet, finish your drinks up now. (laughs) 